The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change, encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Well, we are winding down the day here at the Attribution Accelerator, and I have Jane Clark, CEO Managing Director of the Coalition of Media Measurement, joining me today to wrap it up. Coalition for Innovative Media Measurement. Thank you you very much. Thank you. So how did the day go? Oh, I think it's great. I think this is a great program. It's one of the only places where actually you get such a deep dive, you know, focus Mm -hmm. on this topic of attribution, which is so important to marketers and to all the media companies who try to, you know, sell them advertising on their platforms. So it's a great day. I've talked to a lot of people today and I was here last year, as you know, you and I spoke and I have to say that the feeling is so different this year. People feel it seems more energized, like there's more of a path in terms of attribution and the granularity of data. I don't know if you've you've noticed that or maybe just hearing about attribution for TV and like there's there's a sense of oh my gosh the 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 picture is more clear. Yeah, no, I do think that the growth of new granular data sets such as you're getting now in television and the growing ability to to link the data mm-hmm. and link the data sets using, you know, some form of privacy compliant, right. you know, um, IDs, mm-hmm. which is still, you know, a big challenging area. There's progress that's been made and it it does feel like there is a way forward. There still are some big challenges, particularly in the linking of all of these data sets so you can get full cross-channel, you know, attribution because of, you know, Google and Facebook Mm -hmm. and GDPR. And now what's happening is that they're kind of almost using privacy as an excuse not to share share their IDs that link, you know, all of the exposure on their platform to ads versus other platforms so that an advertiser can put it together. But I do think there is some hope that, that the industry will work out a way to do this in a way that works for, for consumers that's privacy compliant. Do you think that Facebook or Google will ever share that granular data? Well, I think that you know, this whole idea of safe havens yes. that, you know, if you if they put their data in a safe haven mm-hmm. and the advertiser puts their data in that haven, Imagine. then you do the match. The problem is just that the advertiser has to do this multiple times because they're on so many different platforms. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a way to do that. You know, that's not too cumbersome. But on the other hand, the big issue in privacy that came up with GDPR is that if you do that once, the problem is you have to keep coming back to right. do it again because they, they're saying now that you know, when a consumer gives the right to use their data, it's only for one time mm-hmm. use that if you want to use it again, mm-hmm. you know, the advertiser can't now keep that right. idea and go back and use it again. So, you know, there still are some very thorny issues there. 
to work out. Yeah. But but what's happened, the, the excitement on the television side is just that there never has been granular TV ad exposure data available before so that they can now do the same kinds of studies that have been done in digital for years. That's exciting. And so that's a, that is a huge yeah. um, move forward. And even, even if you can't yet necessarily link that, you're able to get a deeper dive into television than you ever had before. And television is such a huge area. It's so important for many advertisers and they never really, you know, were able to rationalize to their CFOs and, you know, their management as to why they spend so much money on television. Right. And so every media now, you have to show data to, to prove to your management that it's worth the spend. You know, they, the procurement departments, the CFOs, they want, you know, what's the return on every dollar that we spend in marketing? And I think there was this guy from TripAdvisor, what was he saying? His management says, if it's worth doing, it's worth measuring. <laughs> well, right. And then you hear that a lot. And, or if you're, you, you can't manage what you can't measure, yes. right? Yes. So understandably, I get that. And it makes sense. But it, I think the good news as a result is that TV is getting the credit that's due, right? But with the hype of digital and the fragmentation of the devices that people are viewing content, it feels like this year there's real credibility behind TV. Yeah, and or I think traditional TV or broadcast TV. Yeah, no, and TV. The thing is, is I think what people are also realizing, which this uh, advertiser from TripAdvisor also mm -hmm. mentioned on their panel, which was that TV is a lot more complex yeah. than other media. So you know, there's there's linear broadcast television, there's time shifted television. Now there's streaming yeah. premium video, which we still call television. It has an impact immediately. It has a you know an impact over maybe a week or a month, and then it can have an impact out to twenty years. Right. You know, people, they were joking up there about the, you know, the TV ads that you remember from your childhood. How many times have you ever remembered a digital ad? It's true. You know, so there's something about this sort of sight, sound and motion, the big screen, the, the introduction of new products, right. things that you actually remember. I mean, there's a lot of annoying things about television <laughs> advertising, but it's exciting to be able to try to un, un, you know, unpack the impact that it has and, and, to, and to look at that over all these different ways of watching television and all these different time windows. Mm -hmm. But it is complex. It is complex. <laughs> I mean, even with the Emmys, where they, I think it was HBO and Netflix that did the sweeps in terms of the content. How do you view that? Is that TV? Is that not TV? Or is it dependent on when, where they watch that content? No, I think what's happening in the whole sort of video, cross-platform yeah. TV video world is that there's there's a definition of what's becoming premium okay. content, premium video content, okay. which is kind of professionally curated storytelling live events that typically has started on television, but now it doesn't always have to start as, as having an airing date, a broadcast date. It can now start in Netflix. Right. You know, it can start on these other platforms, but it's usually, you know, half hour, hour. It's got a, a longer time frame than the world of digital video, right. which is really more, you know, there's the whole cat video side of it, but there's also, you know, YouTube is a great platform for instructional videos. But, you know, the average length of a video on YouTube, I don't have the actual number, but I've seen it before and it's definitely less than 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's just a really different experience. And so I, I think people are, advertisers are trying to understand what's the role of a six second, 10 second ad before a 
10 minute or five minute, you know, instructional video on YouTube versus 10, 15, 30, 60 second ad, you know, on like a, a premium produced, you know, sports, live sports event or, you know, a, a, a comedy. So there are real differences in those experiences. And so to be able to have the data helps them to yeah. get to the bottom of it. And I think the expectation for a consumer when they're on, let's say, a YouTube or looking at a short video, my hypothesis is their attention span might not be necessarily dedicated unless they're doing a project of some sort. But I know many times you have it in the background, like a song playing for two seconds, and then you go back to what your normal work is or, or something like that. So I'm sure that plays into it as well. Yeah, there's just some, there's a variety of experiences, yeah. and so it really helps to have um, the data to, to be able to get you know to the bottom of each kind of experience. And for every advertiser, it could be different right. too. You know, like some of them, it might. Uh, my daughters watch all these. I have daughters in their twenties, and they watch all these makeup. You know, instructional yes. things on YouTube. Yes. Well, so you are, if you're a provider of, if you're a cosmetics company, I mean, that's a perfect place to advertise. So it's just every advertiser really has a unique situation into, you know, how they not only brand themselves and produce their creative, but where they put all those messages and the best way to piece it all together. And and, and it's just what, what I think is great now. And, and we've heard a couple of really good case studies here of advertisers really taking control of their data and their progress in being able to understand the impact of their marketing. You know, like there was was either the Chobani presentation or the E-Trade presentation where they were saying how they, uh, like three years ago, they just sat down and said, okay, we really don't understand. You know, they were honest. We really don't understand how our marketing is working. We need to get back to what are the important KPIs, right. key performance indicators. Yes. You know, what data do we have that's good? What data don't we, you know, do we think is not so good? Um, how can we build out our own, you know, internal database right. of, of tracking the impact mm -hmm. of everything that we're doing in our marketing and being able to see what, what the results are. And so I think a lot of marketers are doing this where they're really bringing this in-house instead of relying on you know, vendors to do one-offs. Yeah. yeah, they're taking ownership mm -hmm. that it's their responsibility to understand the impact of their marketing. And it's them. They're the ones that are going to be called on the floor in front of the CEO or the CFO or the procurement department to say, OK, why did you spend that money and what did we get for it? Mm -hmm. And so they've, they've really taken that seriously, I think, in the last couple of years and have really started to see that they can actually put together these data platforms and they can integrate data and they, it's not perfect yet. You know, there's missing data. They can't always link and match the, the right data sets to the right people across the right platforms, but they're getting a lot closer than they've ever been. And the good news is it's progress. Yeah. Right. But it's not this fear, uncertain doubt. People are actually taking steps to solve the problem. But the better news is there's still more. So we'll have to come back next year for uh, attribution yeah. accelerator. <laughs> well, what would you want to have happen next year? If you had to snap your fingers and say next year, I hope this is where we're going to be. I actually really like these case studies, you know, where an advertiser says, here's how I built out my entire solution. Yeah for this, you know, and here's how I took ownership of it all. I think that's very instructive because, you know, I mean, so media companies use this kind of research to sell their media. A lot of it can be kind of sometimes put in a bucket of just sales right. research. Yeah. There's always a question sometimes about the accuracy of sales research. But when you take it from the point of view of an advertiser and that they really have the responsibility to show how they're spending their money and what they're getting for it, it's a really good point of view, I think, you know, you, you get a lot of 
lessons just from that progress and from what they learned and the trial and error and how they poked holes in things and found what was, you know, false and, you know, and what was what really worked for them. So I, I really like those yeah. case studies. And I think we're getting to have more and more of them because it used to be that they just got up and were like, well, we do this media mix model once a year and we kind of allocate our spending according to that. But we don't really know, you know, tactically how it's working or how this is working. And, you know, there's just been that mm -hmm. over the years. People have not had the pressure to understand that. So, you know, in this quantitative culture now, there's just a lot more pressure that you have to understand that. They won't give you the money to spend on advertising yeah. if you can't show how they Well, how it's they also impact. in concert with the technology and being able to get all that data at a granular level as well. So the possibility really does exist, which is exciting. I, I give credit to those brands that are kind of show their vulnerability to say, I started this journey and here's where I am and it's not perfect, but it's great for the industry to, you know, and other brands or other advertisers to, hmm, maybe I can do this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even advertisers, like direct marketers have always for years had a database, right. you know, so they could test things against the database and yeah. see the result. But the more general brand marketers or, you know, CPG companies who have to work through retailers, they didn't have their own data sets. Mm -hmm. But you're really starting to see that, you know, change where they're going to get those like the CPG companies are getting the loyalty data card sets and they're using that as a surrogate, you know, for having their own. And then they're able to run all of their modeling off of those data sets and, and they're they're learning. That's great. That's great. So what's happening at the Coalition of Innovative Media Measurement? Oh, well, we're actually doing a paper with Jim and Alice who run this conference, the Sequin Partners on TV attribution, because it is such a big area. And there a year ago, there might have been a couple of people, providers who said they were in this area. Now, when we went out and they did a quick little survey over the summer, you know, just through the email of about 30 or 40 attribution providers and said, are you providing TV attribution, you know, and do you actually match exposure data for television to some form of sale? Mm -hmm. or outcome data, location, foot traffic, whatever, even website visitation search. There has to be that data matching right. element to it to really call it attribution. And we got 16 companies, you know, whereas a year ago there would have been one or two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're putting together, you know, a comparison, a way of comparing them on all these different questions and criteria that we have about how they're doing what they're doing. And then they're writing, they've interviewed all these companies as well, and they're kind of writing a, a white paper about, you know, how do you do this? What are the strengths sure. and weaknesses? What are the questions you should be asking? And here's how these guys all stack up on these different criteria. It's not really evaluating them right. all, you know, as to their effectiveness, but just saying, okay, here, here's a, a basic list of questions that the providers in this area should have. What are all you guys offering? And so it's it's pretty straightforward. And then the for, the introductory part can help people to understand how to evaluate then which provider will meet their needs and what the strengths and weaknesses still are. It's great. Yeah. So it feels like it's like helping other companies learn in terms of embarking on this journey or kind of taking the next step. Yeah, because yeah, the SIM member companies right now, you know, SIM has the TV media companies, mm -hmm. the media buying holding companies, large advertisers. They're all going out and interviewing, you know, 20 different attribution, TV attribution providers. And so this helps them to, you know, get a landscape of what's out there and then they can decide, they can narrow it down to maybe talking to a handful instead Fantastic. of 20. When so. do you guys... Um, thinking about publishing it? Well, we have a big event, which we do once a year in February. February 7th, the Sims uh, Cross-Platform Video Measurement and Data Summit. <laughs> 
and we've been doing it now for, this will be our eighth year, and uh, uh, Jim and Alice will release the paper to the public then. Um, the members will see it for a little bit before that, but we'll release it then. And so, yeah, we do a lot of... Uh, it's a chance for us to bring the industry up to speed on kind of everything in the area of cross-platform and bringing more granular measurement to television to enable it to become part of the cross-platform measurement. Fantastic. Great. Jane, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it was fun. Always fun to talk to you. Same. And uh, next year, we'll track our progress. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.